Welcome to the Sisterhood & Co. podcast. I'm your host, Harriet Blevins. This podcast is designed to empower, educate, and encourage women of all ages and stages of life in their walk with God. Our goal and intent is to provide you with the best content and topics relevant to your lives as Christians. We will have conversations with other leaders all along the way and discuss topics all of us want and need to hear. I'm so happy you're here, and I hope you enjoy the journey with me. Hello, beautiful people. Thank you for joining me on today's episode of the Sisterhood & Co. podcast. My name is Harriet Blevins, and I'm so happy you're here today. As always, I want to thank you for your time. I know there are a million other things you could be doing, so I appreciate your willingness to join me today. I always want our time together to feel like we are right in mid-conversation with one another. Today, I want to jump right back in where we left off with our series called Why?, The last time we talked about this subject, we laid the correct foundation on God's goodness because He is good all the time, and we can never, ever exaggerate that. How we feel about and see God is the very most important thing about us. A few years ago, I felt God calling me to go on a treasure hunt of sorts. The treasure I would be hunting for each day were signs of His goodness at play in my everyday life and world. The more I actively looked for it, the more I saw it. It was quite incredible. We empower the lie that we believe. I'm going to say that again. You and I give power to or empower any lie that we believe to be truth. See, the Pharisees saw Jesus as a threat to their power and their influence. That spirit is still very alive today. It's called the religious spirit. But you may ask, but Harriet, aren't we called to be religious as Christians? No, we are not, because religion is about dead works. Christianity is about a relationship with a very real and a very living God. I'm very thankful for my Christian forefathers and all they taught me, but I have discovered there is more. Matthew 6.13 is part of the Lord's Prayer. Um, In that particular verse is the verse that says, deliver us from evil. And evil is... The definition of that, it represents actually the entire curse of sin upon man on the earth. The word evil is derived from a Greek word, poneros, P-O-N-E-R-O-S, which came from the word panos, which means pain. And then the word panos came from the root word penes, which means poor. So let's look at this. Evil equals sin, pain equals sickness, and poor equals poverty. If you look at that actual, um, the definition of what the word evil means, it's broken down like that, sin, sickness, and poverty. Jesus destroyed the power of sin, the power of sickness, and the power of poverty on the cross. Adam and Eve were without sin, without sickness, and without poverty before the fall of man. Now that we are restored through Jesus to the original purpose that God intended for us, why do we expect less? That's the why question we should all be asking, because you and I today have a better covenant. We don't live under the old covenant. All whys have to come through this lens, or they aren't in line with the original design that God has for us. 
There's a man named Eli Weisel, and he was a Jewish philosopher and also a Holocaust survivor. And he has lots of, I believe he had several books, but he has a lot of great quotes. But one of them I really like pertaining to this says, I still have questions for God, absolutely, but it is within faith, not outside of faith, and surely not opposed to faith. I mean, for Eli Weisel, can you imagine how many questions you would have for God if you were a Holocaust survivor as a Jew? But what he was saying is, it's he does have questions for God, just like any human would. But it was his questions remained within the faith realm, not outside of faith and not opposed to faith. And that kept him with a heart open to be able to hear from God. See, Jesus is perfect in every single way. It's important for you and I to see him that way. Jesus healed all who came to him. There were no exceptions. He also healed all the Father directed him to heal. He told us, I do nothing except for what the Father tells me to do. So for us to set a different standard is actually unacceptable Christianity. Jesus stilled every life-threatening storm that he encountered. We never see him using his authority to increase the impact of a storm to bring disaster of any kind. Never did he command a storm to destroy a city, to humble its citizens. Jesus didn't deal with storms that way. However, when the storms came, Jesus was the actual solution. So we can't use Old Testament standards for New Testament dilemmas because they don't work. Jesus also delivered all who asked him. So whatever you think you know about God that you can't find in the person of Jesus, you have reason to question. He is the fullest, most precise revelation of the Father and his nature. There is a vast difference between the goodness of God seen in Jesus and the God revealed through the belief of the average church in the Western world. I'm going to give you a quote from Bill Johnson, one of my favorite pastors in America from Bethel Church. And he said, It has become easier for us to believe that either the standard Jesus set for our lives is metaphorical and therefore entirely unattainable for today, or that it is theologically wrong to consider Jesus's example as a legitimate standard. It is historical only. At the root of the confusion is the difficulty in reconciling the differences in the life of Jesus and the experience of the everyday believer. To cover the discrepancies, what we do is we often create a theology that keeps us comfortable, but also locked in perpetual immaturity. It has been easier to change our interpretation of Scripture by finding out why something didn't happen than it is to seek God until He answers with power. Wow, that is a powerful quote that pretty much sums it all up. And I don't know about you, but I want to live under the new covenant and not the old. Today, when people say we're to become Christ-like, what they mean is we're to be patient, kind, and loving. And yes, the answer is we do need to become those things. But I want to suggest that we must also become people who who walk in signs, wonders, and miracles just as Jesus did. 
We are to have both purity and power. You see, Jesus ruined every funeral he ever went to, including his own. God's goodness is always evident. If we're willing to look for it, we will always see it. God's goodness is actually his calling card. Remember when I told you that um, sin and destruction, death and destruction, steal, kill, destroy, that's the enemy's calling card? Well, God's goodness is his calling card. Acts 14, 17 says, Nevertheless, he did not leave himself without witness in that he did good, gave us rain from heaven and fruitful seasons, filling our hearts with food and gladness. Even before we come to know God as our Father, He is doing things to fill our hearts with gladness, and that is amazing because that is His calling card. In Matthew 7, 11, it says, If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good gifts to those who ask Him? It is possible for evil people to do good things. That's hard to believe, isn't it? But the key word in this passage is how much more. See, he isn't an orphanage keeper meeting the basic needs, three square meals, some shoes, a coat, some shelter. He is a good father. He's the father that gives the pony rides, the princess dresses, and the puppies. That's who he is. How much more? So today, I want to leave you with this thought. No matter what happens, I will not question his goodness. I may never understand why or how something has happened. I will not sacrifice knowledge of the goodness of God on the altar of human reasoning so that I can have an explanation for why a tragedy has happened. But one thing is for sure, he is good and he is always better than we think. So I want us to pray together as we go today. Heavenly Father, thank you for your goodness. Thank you that even when situations look grim or confusing, I can still see your goodness shining through. I pray for every listener today. I don't know what they're walking through, but you do. I ask that you will reveal your goodness to each of them in a personal way today. I thank you in advance for all you are doing. Remove any mindsets that hinder my belief in your goodness. I love you and I trust you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Now, I always like to leave you with a tip of the day. And so here is my tip of the day. As a married woman who has been keeping house for over 32 years, and I know that was that's an old term. That's what my mother and grandmother would say, that you keep house. This next tip is one that I work towards each and every week. I always fall short, but I still felt it was an inspiring one to share. And here is the tip. Keep your house clean so you don't have to clean your house. Now, that is a tall order, I know. Like I said, I try every week to do this, and sometimes I'm kind of close, and sometimes I'm not even nearly close, but I keep trying. So what do I mean by this statement? Keep your house clean so you don't have to clean your house. Well, housework comes for all of us, right? It's there every day mocking us. The laundry, the dishes, the dusting, the bathrooms, the closets, the vacuuming, the baseboards, on and on and on to infinity and beyond. So... I will tell you that I just tried my very best to stay on top of it. 
I did a load of laundry every day when my kids still lived at home. That way, I never had loads and loads to wash and dry and fold and put away. I just had one load a day, and that could be handled in about 15 minutes tops. Now, I usually do laundry about three times a week for just the two of us. That's very doable, and it never gets out of hand. Each day, I do the dishes. I do not, I really try not to let dishes just sit in my sink, especially overnight. I like to go to bed with a clean sink and the dishwasher set to run while we sleep. That also saves on energy. I also do little things along each week. I take, we take out the trash every day. I will clean the ceiling fan blades at least a couple times a month. I wash the baseboards twice a year. I dust every week or more, I vacuum and mop at least once a week, and I usually clean the bathrooms twice a week, but if I can't get to it, once a week. One of my tips is I keep all my cleaning supplies updated and close at hand to where I'm going to be cleaning. That way, when I'm in one of the bathrooms, I can clean it while I'm in there without going to another room to have to find supplies. I just spend a few minutes each day doing something, and that way, when I need to clean for guests, it isn't overwhelming. That's my tip of the day. Keep your house clean so you don't have to clean your house. That's all I have. Keep pressing on, beautiful people. Go make your life awesome. Awesome. 